can I do it? And he goes, well, a little bit harder. And he so comes back, get on the ground! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode number three of Coffee with the Boys. If you didn't get a chance last week, we had Ian McKay on, a member of, well, what we said, arguably the biggest blockbuster deal in PLL history, going from the Archers to the Cannons. Phenomenal guest. We always appreciate Ian coming on, talking to us. But now we're here to talk about a couple other things. We've got lots to cover. We've got the Grammys. We've got some crypto talk. We've got NFTs a little bit, trading cards. But we also, our main subject of the day, talking about multi-sport athletes and how prevalent that is in today's society and today's professionalism. But before we get into that, let's go around the table and see what everybody's up to. Cody, what have you been up to this week? Um, this week just kind of blended in with all the rest. I didn't get up to nothing too exciting. Um, yeah, I can't even remember what I did yesterday. So I, I watched uh, a lot of golf on the weekend. I spent all day Sunday watching the Players' Championship there, watching Bryson blow his lead and uh, kind of felt better about myself after watching his uh, him top the ball a little bit there. <laughs> epic yeah. meltdown. Just an epic meltdown. Absolutely. Everybody's – that in itself, once he has those, everybody goes, well, I think I could play in the PGA Tour as well, actually. <laughs> Mags, what have you been up to? Uh, I feel like Jammer stole my answer. I feel like we're just in this lockdown. It's all blending in. Um, but, you know, I guess I guess you can say, well, right now, nice day here. So that's been nice. I was actually just out uh, getting some reps, if you will, shooting the ball. I don't remember the last time I actually went out <laughs> like by myself brought a ball bag and did that so that was uh medicine gate man that, that made me feel pretty good now i'm here with the boys so let's go chuck what about you what have you been up to i know that you've been slowly getting into the stock market some crypto what's up uh yeah um been diving into stocks this past week uh otc market and looking into that a little bit more some pennies it's, it's a dangerous game though, man. Like you can either make a lot of money or lose a lot of money very fast. And it catches up to you too, because, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, it can't move too much. It's only a penny or two, but if you're putting, you know, a bunch in on it, that'll plummet pretty fast. And I learned that the hard way a little bit, but uh, we're learning as we go along here, but no, it's a jammer's point. <clears throat> Golf's on the brain like 60 last week here Fahrenheit so got out first round of the year that's a shoot had me itch uh you know you know not, <laughs> not good not good Jeez, that bad eh Did you crack no it, it wasn't honestly it wasn't that bad it's, <laughs> you know it, it's funny though because I and I didn't even really realize like the science that like with the shambo and his whole like making sure every iron is the same length and you know really kind of going to that technological side of things um who's he with ping or cobra or something like cobra maybe mm. i think cobra specializes in that with like the you know the shafts that are all the same length but i just That's cut down all my my woods and my driver significantly helped like 
my slice. Like I'm hitting the ball much straighter. It really is. Like it's, it's a, I can't believe it took that long for someone to kind of think of that or, you know, make it more mainstream. I said this in an earlier podcast about finding out who the best NLL player is at golf. But what I would, what I think would be a cool concept is to have the entire NLL, each team basically has like not tournament style, but everybody kind of plays around. Let's say it's obviously tough to get everybody together at a certain time, but you say, get your five best players. They go out for a round of golf. They play, you take your top two players from each team and then you have tournament style with the whole NLL. So you've got the two best players on the Thunderbirds, two best players on Calgary, San Diego, yada, yada, yada. You go down the list. You find out who the best pairing is in the NLL. Now, is the NLL setting it up? Probably not. Are we setting it up? Maybe. Maybe in the long run, that's something that we get into. But I think that'd be pretty cool because finding out who the best player is might be a little tough. I think it might be a little bit easier if you get a, a pairing and you figure out who the best is there. But Shout out Brad Gillies. I've played with him. He's, he's pretty good, man. I was just going to say, you know, we're all on the Thunderbirds. Who would be our top two here? I think Soupy won. I think Soupy probably has the most dedication to golf. I'm going to assume that by Chuck saying that Brad is really good, might assume that Brad has too much time on his hands and maybe uh, <laughs> not spending enough time with his company. But I don't know who the next best would be. I really, I really don't. I think soupy's mags has played with soupy i haven't i think he'd probably be one i think it'd be a dog fight for two i don't think so i i think uh has a lot to berkey golfs a lot and he uh, says good. he's pretty good i haven't got a chance to get out with him i got out with soupy once and and uh he was good really good i'm not gonna say who won might have been me by a stroke but well, I don't I got to throw my name in the ring. I think that I'm a decent golfer, but actually talking about golf, we'll get into this later. But before we segue into some of our other topics, multi-sport athletes are at the forefront here. Really funny story from my standpoint. When I was in high school, I was I played as many sports as possible. I played badminton because we didn't have enough guys to have a team we needed two players in order to have a men's team so me and my buddy signed up same thing with tennis played volleyball same concept when it came to golf this was at the prime of my golf career i was playing golf at least two times a day non-stop golf 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 all i want to do is play golf i tried out for the golf team the only rule on the golf team at the time was you have to break 90 and we were playing at this course that was it was called Huron oaks it wasn't the, the most immaculate course in the entire world but it was a it was a hard course and for Sarnia it was definitely one of the better courses and the coach said hey all you have to do is break 90 and you're on the team that's it there's nothing else break 90 there you go you got a spot and I was sitting there I was like that's it 90 okay like that's not hard at the time I was playing golf every single day non-stop 90 could have done it in my sleep show up to the course first tee massive slice right into the woods, lost the ball three off the tee. I'm thinking, Jesus. All right. Long story short, I did not make the golf team. It was the only sport in high school that I didn't make. And it was the only sport that I religiously played aside from hockey every single day. So yeah, Bryson, he has his days. I had mine as well, but 
a couple other things that I'd like to get into before we even get into our main topic of the day. The Grammys happened last night. I don't know if you did you, any of you guys see anything, check anything out. It's not, I think viewership is down twofold between a lot of the main nominations, main spectrums, um, especially Grammys. I haven't looked at what the actual viewership was, but I can assume it was down based on everything else. Did any of you guys check it out? Yeah, I, I checked out a, for, I watched for a little bit uh, after the Leafs game and uh, who did, whose awards did I see? I saw uh, Megan Thee Stallion. Um, I saw her award. What a dress she was wearing, by the way. <laughs> you know, just everything seemed so crazy and and seeing all the masks that they're all wearing i'm glad they're all wearing masks being in california but you know some of those masks probably cost more than my wardrobe absolutely she had a big day though along with a lot of other females the females pretty much cleaned up at the grammys and a couple notes we had beyonce she won her 28 grammy which makes her the most decorated grammy award winner in history uh taylor swift also had a performance while she was there but she also won her third album of the year which i think is crazy the only performer to ever do so billy eilish won record of the year again females taking over but then something that i had to note down and i had to actually write because they pointed it out in the actual broadcast i didn't watch the whole thing but they pointed it out because I always have a hard time understanding what exactly each award really means and what it is, but between song of the year and record of the year, I never really understood what it was, but for anybody that doesn't know song of the year is won by the actual songwriter. So it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the actual performer song of the year is strictly for the actual songwriter of the song. Now record of the year is the award for performer, the actual performer of the year, which I had no idea, thought it was very interesting. And I was glad that they actually pointed out on the broadcast because like I said, I don't actually care or watch these things too often, but it was nice to know a little bit more knowledge on how these awards are actually given out, what what they even mean, because I really didn't know. But women, 2021, taking over, Megan Thee Stallion, pretty great. And also, (laughs) I don't know if you saw this, Cody, WAP was performed. I shut it off before that. I saw the, I saw it upcoming, and I thought to myself, I am not staying up to watch this right now. I think that it, it was, I'm assuming it was dumbed down to be more PG. Let's just say that. I don't think they brought their full capabilities on national television. One thing that I did want to bring up, and we could edit it out if I'm wrong, but. Did I see that Beyonce's daughter won a Grammy? I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't see I, that. I think she did. I think I think I think she did win win something. I don't know what for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really catch it. It it was just kind of I think they, they just brought broadcasters just brought brought it up on uh, during conversation, but I think that would make her the youngest ever Grammy Award winner. Second youngest. Second youngest. Who's wow. the youngest? Uh, I'm pulling that up. Also, quickly while we're finding this, huge snub for the weekend. I mean, how do you not blinding lights? I feel like that was the song of the pandemic. Like it blew up on TikTok. Anywhere you heard that song, I mean it it 
single-handedly landed him a Super Bowl halftime performance, in my opinion. Yeah, I almost forgot that that came out this year. It was so played, and I was so over it that I forgot that that was this year, like this past year. Go ahead, Chuck. No, I was just going to say, like, good or bad, like, I think I'll always associate that song with this uh, year stretch, pandemic. I'd be interested to find out the last time a Super Bowl performer wasn't nominated for a Grammy. Hmm. Not that I need you to look that up, but anyway. No, but I think, uh, an, I think that'd be an interesting set. Blue Ivy Carter won her first Grammy on Sunday for best music video for Brown Skin Girl. Blue Ivy received a writing credit for the song. Well, Record well, held by Leah P. Saul, who won in 2011 at the age of eight. I don't know who that is or what that song is, but me either. Brown skin girl. <laughs> I don't know what song Blue Ivy did help sing, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, Leon Bridges Brown Skin Girl. I think that's who sings it. Leon Bridges, good. All right, a short list now that we've touched on a couple items, but something that we've touched on briefly before. We've talked about crypto. We've talked about NFTs, some trading cards. A short little list that I I jotted down for everybody here. We've got a crypto update. Last March, Bitcoin was hovering just above 5,000 a share on Saturday. It hit an all-time high of 61,000. NFTs, non-fungible tokens, not the fungus that's on Jammer's toes, Last week, a JPEG file sold for $69.3 million at Christie's, which is a bidding auction. And Jack Dorsey's original tweet, I don't know if anybody ever saw that, that was going up from an NFT auction. It hit a bidding point of $2.5 million, a simple tweet. Now, that tweet itself, I think we might have touched on it last, but it's up for an nft so once it actually gets sold that tweet is going to be removed from twitter that person will only own that tweet no one else will be able to see it right now you can still go onto twitter i believe right now and see the actual tweet once it's sold done trading cards seven of the 10 most expensive sports trading cards in history have been sold in the past eight months in january someone bought a 1952 tops mickey mantle aka the mick who was a professional baseball player from 1951 to 1968 for a whopping $5.2 million, the highest ever. Question before we get into our main topic of the day, what's the most that you guys would ever spend on a trading card or in 2021 an NFT? I think it all depends on how much I enjoy the person. You know, I, how I much are you buying a cereal box? How much are you buying a cereal box <laughs> Jordan Tutu foot intact card for? <laughs> yeah, first, yeah, yeah, that's my first question. Does it come with uh, mac and cheese? But yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't me, know. I was probably with nothing. Eggs is that nothing, Jammer? What KJ, do you got? Remember when? Oh, when I was with you, KJ, you only spent that ten bucks on a Pokemon card, and I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think my son did anything with it. I. I I think he just said, oh, yeah, cool. And it was 10 bucks for this card that I, you know, searched out high and low for. So um, I don't know if I'd go much more than that. I don't know if anybody here watched the actual Logan. First of all, does anybody know 
of the Logan Paul unboxing of the first edition Pokemon boxes? Did anybody watch this? All right. I, I knew this was happening. This happened two weeks ago, I believe. I was watching the Leafs game, I believe, and the Leafs game ended, and I totally forgot that Logan Paul was doing an unboxing for first edition Pokemon cards. He had one box that he was doing, but inside the box had 14 decks. Anyway, he had previously bought a first edition Charizard for $475,000, I want to say. So then he had this box, which the box itself was over a million dollars by the time that it had now gone 25 years, I believe was the anniversary, the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. So he was doing these unboxings and he unboxed, I think, three Charizards. So each Charizard in itself is going for basically over a million dollars now. So he's got like three million dollars in the Charizards there. Then he unboxed a Blastoise. You get inside these decks, you get what is supposed to be 12 or 13 holographic cards. So he had right off the bat unboxed three holographic Charizards, $3 million right off the bat, progressively unboxed more. But he hypothetically could have got 12 Charizards for whatever reason. I don't know why Charizards are at the top of the Pokemon spectrum, but Cody, to answer this long-winded series, I think that you got to steal at 10 bucks for Coleman's Pokemon card. Yeah, we'll see if it's still intact. I don't know. He's been known to do some crazy things. I was listening to Sean Avery's podcast last night, and so good. Uh, just just catching up on it. And he was talking about his Bitcoin that he bought, and he bought it for, I think it was like seven hundred eighty three dollars and thirty six cents. And he hasn't. He bought it just at a at a at a store where you hand cash in, and it gives you a receipt for this one Bitcoin, and you go on there. And so he had a Bitcoin expert on his podcast and uh, he hasn't touched it in, in however long, you know, 16 years or something. He, he roughly estimated it to be. And now it's worth uh, over $50,000. Jesus. So, See, that's like the Pokemon cards. That's what Logan Paul was saying. He's like, it's 25th year anniversary. Like some people, if you had never touched your actual box, if you bought the box, 25 years ago and you had it just sitting around first edition boxes were going for like $350,000 just the box to find out what was in it no one even knew what was in the box you just knew that you were getting 12 holographic cards but you didn't know what the 12 were and again like I said like you hypothetically could have had 12 Charizards not that that would have happened but you're looking at like 12 million dollars right there they're saying the next thing to come up is going to be Yu-Gi-Oh because it's coming up on the anniversary of what would be Yu-Gi-Oh then. So if any of you guys have Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you might want to hold on them. Being a kid, and I never got into Pokemon cards personally. I never owned one. But I'm just thinking about going to going to grade school and everybody having their Pokemon cards with them. And I remember seeing, you know, a handful of these holographic Charizards. Of the, you know, we're in, you know, grade school and so these kids aren't taking care of them or aren't doing anything like all these cards that are out there that at the time seem really really silly you know there's probably a couple buried in the in the grade school playground <laughs> dude it's so nuts to think about it that way like imagine like i couldn't even if i had a box of pokemon cards there's no way i'm not opening the box 
Like I bought a, I bought a pack of hockey cards. Like I'm not going to just sit around and wonder what could possibly be inside. Like I'm going to open the box of hockey cards. Like I want to know. So the, I think the people that don't even open them should be praised more than anybody else for just sitting around waiting all this time and just being like, ah, well, could be great. Who knows? <laughs> Over the, well, I guess years now, we've slowly started to realize and players, professionals have come out saying that they are multi-sport athletes, always were growing up, that gone are the days of players just needing to focus primarily on the sport that they play. If it's hockey, growing up from six years old, only playing hockey, never playing anything else. Guys like Wayne Gretzky, Brennan Shanahan, the list is absolutely endless of NHL players, current and former, who came out, said they played lacrosse growing up. It was why they were successful. It was the ability to get into a corner and roll off of a guy better than anybody else that had never played lacrosse because you learn little tweaks and little advantages through the game of lacrosse that they brought and translated into the game of hockey. Now, I guess my first question to everybody here is, I guess, what sports did you guys go grow up playing if it wasn't just lacrosse? I know that it, for everybody here, it wasn't just lacrosse. What did you guys play? I played a bit of everything. Grew up in a small town, so um, yeah, I mean, hockey was my main sport, but played all the school sports growing up. I didn't start playing lacrosse until high school. Um, I mean, that's a quick story. Well, I guess I might as well share. The way I started playing lacrosse, my older brother played for the high school team um, and box lacrosse as well, but I just remember our gym teacher saying like, hey, uh, you know, like we need a couple of guys to play and I just sat in the middle of a zone defense, just like, okay, you know, might as well hit some people and, but no, it was, uh, yeah, play, played a bit of everything. So, um, you, you know, you name it, I played. I uh, wasn't really good at everything, but just enjoyed to play. That was, you know, that's what kept you busy growing up in a small town. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Megs. I just grew up playing everything in, in school. Obviously, my extracurricular activities in school were, was, uh, was quite high until high school. Um, I think I talked about it before. You know, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, so um, I only got to play lacrosse really um, – you know, organized in, in a league um, up until I started playing hockey in uh, second year peewee or first year Bantam. One of the two was my first year playing organized hockey. I did get the chance one time, one fall to uh, our Six Nations started up a, a, a peewee football league. So I got the chance. Uh, it was sponsored. They supplied everything. They supplied the equipment. Um, so it took a little convincing for my mom and dad because they uh, they never wanted me to play football. Um, but I got to play one season of uh, Pee Wee football and it was amazing. What position did you play? Uh, running back. <laughs> I, was, I was a tailback nice. and then I played uh, like, like safety. Our team, our, we had a lot of players on our team, but they weren't, uh, you know, we were first year program startup. So, you know, 95% of the team never played football before. Um, so we were, we were behind we were behind all the other teams, but we ended up making it the championship by the end of the year. Uh, came from, you know, a bad team to one of the best teams and beat the undefeated team in the semifinals and lost in the finals. But I learned a lot. It was fun. 
I could see you being a little Frank Gore, like a little just off the middle, just exact opposite. Actually, I was, uh, I was, the, I was like uh, shady. I my I was my just shady McCoy. Oh no, no I didn't have those kind of shit. Didn't have those kind of shakes, but um, whoop. <laughs> what does Chris do? What? <laughs> no, I was, uh, I was it. The sweep was my was my go to. I was just faster than everybody back then, so I just ran, got to the outside, and and ran up the sideline. And if teams tried to try to take away the outside, then I would go to the outside of my line and and go, go up the, you know, just beat them with speed up the up the outside and cut back sometimes. But <laughs> Cody, Cody, I still enjoy playing uh, playing every sport. I still enjoy playing every sport. I played uh, one one winter when I was really really bugging to play uh, hockey. And we just couldn't afford it. They signed me up for indoor soccer, and that was, uh, you know, that was a blast too. I, I used to, patent move was, you know, to bank the ball off the boards because they were all soccer players, so they weren't used to, you know, the, as soon as the ball went that way, they thought it was out of bounds. But, you know, just from obviously playing lacrosse, knowing my angles, you know, bank it off the boards, run around them, and go get it. So, um, it was that's fun. A, that's a classic mini sticks hockey move. Just banking it off the off the wall, or off the broken the drywall with the hole in there. <laughs> I had so many battles with my brother brothers growing up. We ended up we 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 get so mad playing mini sticks like that. Banking just was not like it was. We took it out of the game. Like it was almost a cheat code. It was like all right, no more banking on yeah. mini sticks. I would just tell him. I was just telling my kids because we had a we have a you know I got an eleven year old and a seven year old so we got some mini stick battles but I was just you know I went down and I actually had a couple that hockey tournaments give out but those cheap little plastic ones the tiny little plastic stick that we all played with and we had to heat them up and make our curve so I yeah. I did that with them one night and I just said all right we're all going to use these and we're all going to you know we're going to make our own curve so I did it over top of the over top of the uh, stove there and we all made yeah. our curves and. Because nowadays we're buying, you know, we're buying our kids these mini sticks and they're, you know, exactly like real hockey sticks. You know, they're, they're a foot bigger than those plastic ones and they got a, you know, preset curve. They're one pizzas. Um, oh, like it's unreal. Plastic one was who could have the biggest curve. And then if it broke, you'd find a way to tape it back together because you're like, no, <laughs> why? So true. <laughs> I or spent sprinting so to get the best stick. Like, okay, let's go play. And like, it was like an advantage of having a stick. Well, then, no, I get this net or this side. Kids wouldn't know. Kids wouldn't know. No. Not a chance. Silver spooned. Now, Cody, I think that your football experience might be a little bit different, maybe even a little bit better than mine. I did say that I played pretty much every sport in high school. I would like to preface the fact that I think that sports in Canada, the high school level, are very different than sports in the U.S. I think that each member, when you're playing any sport in the U.S. in high school, I think I wouldn't say that you take it more seriously. I just think that there's a different level to it because a lot of those athletes are trying to go to college. They know about going and getting a college scholarship when they're playing those sports where a lot of Canadians, especially growing up, didn't. And I think that, like I said earlier, like if the team didn't have enough players for a certain sport, you just kind of played it. Um, but going back to our football thing, I did play football. I wasn't as great as you. I was a running back just like you, but... I also only played one specific down in football. 
right up the pipe didn't do a sweep right up the pipe now mind you i was only like 135 pounds in grade i think this was grade 10 i think i was 135 pounds playing running back had no reason to be playing running back i was shifty but definitely couldn't take a hit for the life of me right up the middle as i fall down get tackled right at the goal line just your kind of like average fall guy lands on the back of me i get up and i'm like swinging my arm around and i'm like something's clicking this does not feel right like this just feels weird i it was silver stick and for anybody that doesn't know silver sticks like a big hockey tournament that you go to and happens every year and so i had a game that night in this football game was just an exhibition and the coach kept pestering me you want to play you want to play no 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 i was playing volleyball at the time like you want to play no 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 i don't want to play finally just to shut him up played anyway as i'm swinging my arm around like this doesn't feel right go over to the sideline after the game my nan is there my dad my parents weren't watching the game at the time they were working and i was like nana like something feels weird in my shoulder like there's just something off and i'm like there's this ball here it just feels weird and she's like yeah i I don't know like i think it might be broken it looks broken like i show up go home my dad he was the president of our hockey uh, organization at the time i walk in the door I'm like, dad, something feels weird. I don't know about tonight. Like something feels off. Looks at me. I pull down my shirt. I'm like, there's this ball here. He goes, yep, that's broken. I guess you're going to have to go to the hospital. I got to go to the rink. See ya. I'm like, what do you mean? I got to find a way to the hospital. Like I, my, sh- my collarbone's broken. You're just going to leave me here? He's like, I got to go to the rink. I don't know what you want. So my Nana had to take me to the hospital, go there. Collarbone's broken. Miss silver stick. One down of football, broken collarbone couple yards on the play but i was not a spectacular football player to say the least gotta love big mike what a beauty he was i thought big mike happy. would make you play uh, you're coming boy well that turned into a couple like months later and realizing that it was my draft year for hockey and i wasn't able to uh play in a bunch of games and as the year progressed i was supposed to be out whatever let's say six months I was telling my mom, hey, like, I, I don't need you to come to the game. Like, I'm not going to be playing anyway. There's no reason for you to show up to this game. You don't need to drive two hours or that's waste your time. So my dad and I would go to the games. And before I was supposed to be playing, I was like four and a half, five months after the injury. And I was playing in the hockey games with a broken collarbone. I had the like little butterfly thing on, but I was playing because it was my draft year. I wanted to get drafted into the OHL and of course I had a broken collarbone. So I'm like playing at 10%, but my mom later on in the day, she'd be like, Hey, I saw your name in the paper. Um, I thought you weren't playing. I was like, ah, yeah, there was just like, you know, like you had to give your Jersey to somebody like one of the APs had to jump in, but I wasn't playing. Don't worry about that. But yeah, football career was not great. (laughs) All right, getting into our multi-sport athletes and talking about that. I want to uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on a couple NHL players. Like, we've got guys like Brett Ritchie, who's playing for Calgary right now. We've got Devin Shore, who's playing for Edmonton. Guys that went to the Hill Academy that were, I believe, both were there while you were there, Megs. Both were there while I was there. Um, and like I said, the list goes on for guys that are currently playing in the NHL that played lacrosse, whether it was with us or against us. But um thoughts on any of those guys i know that from my perspective like guys like devin shore brett ritchie although they're in the nhl they were also the best hockey 
players and the best lacrosse players on each team that they were on. I mean, I think that there's definitely a correlation between it. There used to be a guy, Seth Griffith, who was from Wallaceburg. He played for Boston for a little bit and then kind of made his way around the NHL a little bit. But he used to be like the best lacrosse player growing up. What are your guys' thoughts? Did you have anybody, Cody, did you have anybody that went on to play in the NHL that you kind of grew up playing against or playing with? Um, no, I don't think so, but I do have one story. I played against, uh, John Tavares, um, the Maple Leafs captain, not, uh, the legend in Buffalo. Um, but I played against him, uh, in a junior A game and we kind of got into it a little bit. He was, uh, one of the top scorers in the league, as was I. And so we kind of got into it a little bit and, uh, I I told him like, you better be careful. I'll break your thumb, you know? Just, you know, trying to intimidate him, just doing whatever I knew he had. A, I knew who he was. I knew he had a big, a big, uh, big year coming up with the hockey and everything. And all he did was he turned around and looked at me and he just said, shut up. I'll squish you with my wallet. And that was it. You know, I couldn't say anything after that. <laughs> I've never heard that. No way. <laughs> yeah. JT. Oh. <laughs> oh, he was man. he was 16 or 15 years old telling telling me he was going to squish me with his wallet he knew oh. i knew our bench all laughed i laughed it was you know we were and and then let me say at, at this time in the game we were already up probably by 10 12 goals so it wasn't uh it wasn't a serious little chirping battle like i was you know just trying to trying to pester him a little bit and get under his skin but uh, he got the last laugh that's for sure the Ritchie brothers were legit lacrosse players. Like I remember Brett Ritchie, we were playing with the Hill and uh, like he didn't play with us all year. He was playing hockey and we bring him up. I don't even remember the game or who we were playing, but big game. And he comes and plays like he's like, we're basically guys are like, have extra equipment for him, bringing him to this game. Like he, I just remember the performance that he put on. He put like, four or five goals like as a midfielder dominating the game he's wearing you know and everyone cuts out their palms right and in field you're not allowed to do that they like he comes to the bench they're like trying to give him a stick check and checking his gloves and like guys on the bench are giving him giving him like guys that aren't playing like me we're all giving him our gloves like (laughs) and he is what a player man he was so good nick was a good lacrosse player too but there's something to be said about that the whole multi-sport athlete like you know it's uh it's definitely the new trend like the one sport athlete you know specialized is is dying right and there's uh, i don't have them in front of me but there's science behind it now right that you know multi-sport you know that's the way to go and you know obviously when you get older you got to specialize at some point but like i don't know i mean i'm not a skilled player but i didn't talk you know i didn't start playing lacrosse until i was in high school right and it did and it wasn't and it was like backyard lacrosse right manitoba lacrosse you're not you know it's (laughs) you're like yeah swatting the mosquitoes off you while you're trying to scoop up a loose ball yeah exactly. <laughs> did you ever played did you come to and play in nationals in winnipeg i did it was i like, think, I think right. it might have been my first one my first experience ever with team ontario and it was like one of the worst experiences ever because the mosquitoes were so bad like you literally brutal. step on the floor field and then just whoosh, 
Yeah. Mosquitoes yeah, you get off the bus, you get out of the car, and it's it's nuts. But yeah, like so, I don't know. There's there's something to be said about that. Like I didn't start taking it seriously, obviously, until you know I came to the hill. Um, you know, we're obviously lucky enough for that opportunity. But um, yeah, multi sports the way to go. It's the specialized is done. So one guy from around uh, around town here, around Six Nations, is uh, Brandon Montour. He- got drafted to the Anaheim Ducks and uh, he, his NHL road kind of was different than most where he didn't, he didn't play in the O he didn't get drafted in the OHL. He played uh, you know, junior B in Brantford, which later moved to Caledonia. Um, a couple of local businessmen owned the team. So he played uh, for our local team that we would consider our local team. And he, uh, he ended up going the long route and went down to the USHL and got drafted from there. Um, what a lot of people don't know was, uh, you know, when he played for the Arrows, won a Minto Cup. You know, we actually did try and recruit him a little bit for this last World Games uh, to come play D transition because he is that good of a lacrosse player um, that he played. He played D transition, but uh, that was in junior A, and, and he'd probably be a good D transition player in pro right now. Um, but when he played junior B for our Rebel team down here, our junior B Six Nations Rebels, he uh, he led the team in points, and he I think he set a record for assists in the season. So, um, you know, these guys, uh, these multi multi sport athletes, you know, it, it definitely you can see a correlation for sure. Not that the Sabers are anything to brag home about right now, but he also is probably without a doubt the best skater on the the Sabers. I think it's an easy easy statement. But to your point, Cody, like what people also don't realize to even add a little bit of another um, wrinkle to this is that he grew up in Windsor and played in zone seven, which was the zone that I played in Sarnia. We played against Windsor. They were always, I don't want to say a rival, but growing up, like that was Wallsburg, Windsor, London. Those were Sarnia's biggest rivals to play across against. And he was without a doubt, the best player in the league, along with um, Seth Griffith, who I brought up earlier, but he was phenomenal in Zone Seven, and I th- there's a, a lot of people that have actually come through Zone Seven. Not that a lot of people brag about Sarnia, Windsor, Wallsburg, London, but there are a lot of really good players that have actually come through there, and not just lacrosse, but who've actually gone on to play in the NHL. But yeah, even to further that, he grew up playing every sport, and I never even noticed him as a hockey player. Like I always knew Montour as the lacrosse player, the phenomenal lacrosse player who just dominated every single game and then all of a sudden you're like this guy's in the nhl what thought he was a lacrosse player he could he could easily come and put in the nll right now too easily. automatic and transition he was good i had a i played half a season with him in nations in my last year and yeah he was a young guy at the time but any breakaway any breakaway he had it was automatic he was scoring Starting to think that there's also a little bit of a correlation between multi-sport athletes growing up playing different sports and then when you're done playing your profession, I don't know if it's necessarily the actual sport, but the sport of bobsled in the Olympics, like there's a lot of professional athletes who finish their careers and then go on to be bobsledders. I think that there's a lot of, especially right now, CrossFitters who are finishing their CrossFit careers, whether it's a ton of injuries, shoulder injuries, whatever it may be but are now starting to venture out into bobsled, which, I mean, you guys are laughing. Like, it, it, bobsled, I think, <laughs> comes across as a sport where it's like, sometimes it's not taken seriously, but it's also a sport that 
almost rejuvenates careers when they're done. Like we had Jesse Lumsden way back when who finished his CFL career and then he became an Olympic bobsledder. And I mean, you've got to have a certain talent in order to be an Olympic athlete to any degree. But I think that there also could be a correlation to like people finishing their careers, calling it quits in their professional sport, and then potentially being an Olympic athlete in something else, because we're also seeing that there's a lot of sports that are getting passed on to the Olympic level. Like you've got handball now, like who's to say that a good lacrosse player, a good hockey player can't be a good handball player now. Right. Like they call themselves Olympic athletes at the end of the day. Like if you're an Olympic athlete, you're an Olympic athlete. I think that that could be pretty cool, but. For sure. Um, when you start talking about bobsled and I didn't think about Jesse Lumsden, the great tie cat, but um, I'm thinking I, my first thought was Chris Chelios, you know, he got done playing hockey at, you know, 49, I want to say 49 years old. And, and then he immediately got, you know, signed on and he, I don't know if he made it to the Olympics, but I know he competed in the World Cup um, for the Olympics in bobsled or for the Olympics for the U.S. in bobsled. So, um, you know, that, I think that just goes to show the type of athlete that, you know, bobsledding has and the type of athlete that, you know, you kind of need to have. You know, we can't laugh at it. We're not necessarily laughing at the sport at itself, but just laughing at, uh, you know, your, your reference in general. Well, I also started thinking of me bobsledding and then I just laughed and like there was a heavyweight <laughs> division and uh, Jammer and I were bobsledding together <laughs> post lacrosse and that's how we make the Olympics. Chelios is an insane athlete that's like so underrated his uh like uh Sean Avery's book Offside when he talks about uh he talks about Chelios and just how much he looked up to looked up to him but it's like, what an insane athlete. There you go. That's such a good book. <laughs> oh, he does such a good book. With He's such a good writer. But uh, yeah, his part about Chelios is unreal. Like just how the, the man that he is, like how hard he did absolutely everything in his life. And yeah, 49 years old or whatever you said, and he retires and moves on to, <laughs> to bobsled. Insane. That's nuts. Well, even a final thought here before we kind of close things off, we bring up Sean Avery there and the book itself is phenomenal, obviously, but I think that we can even go further than saying multi-sport athletes. Like if you play lacrosse growing up, it helps when you play hockey at the professional level and we see all these correlations, but even more so, I think that you can take it to the extent of Sean Avery where guy played sports growing up, played every sport. Then he played professional hockey but also took those skill sets that he learned from playing all these different sports into his acting career. And it's not just professionalism that you need to pursue when things are all said and done for you. Like the guy's making a career and probably more money now than what he did while he was playing in the NHL with his acting career. But a lot of those life lessons that you learn, like showing up on time, time management, organizational skills, those things translate into reading lines for scripts and memorizing scripts, like memorizing plays. So I think he's a great example of like, yeah, playing multi-sport your whole life, but then also realizing that there's careers afterwards as well, that by playing all these different sports, you can also access a totally different realm of your imagination outside of it. So I think that's pretty cool as well. And then you get, you've got athletes that are investing all the, their money more so now than ever. You know what I mean? 
And I think that's just because salaries have gone up. There's more money to be had and they're just being smarter with their money. Look at like, you know, Mahomes and his fiance, I think, didn't they purchase in with a soccer team or WNBA team or something like that? You know, all the money that LeBron's put into different ventures, like just the money that Shaq's invested, it's, it's crazy. You know, so it, it, it's multi-sport, but it's multi, I don't even know. I, they're just entrepreneurs in general. It is honestly so hard to think about something when, when you got people talking in your ear. Cause I'll, I'm trying, sitting there trying to think of it. And as soon as you started the wrap up, I would just listen to the wrap up and I didn't, uh, didn't even like, there's nothing registering in my head except what you were just talking about. It's like James Duffy. He told the, uh, he told the story at Chris Schultz's uh, like viewing or funeral. And it was about when like the analyst, when they started wearing uh, earpieces and Schultz, he never wanted to do it. And then finally like gave in one day, put it, you know, wore it and they didn't talk to him because they didn't want to bother him. But I guess like they were going to miss the kickoff like at halftime. And so they're the one guy came on and said, Hey, Schultz, shut up, wrap this up and pass it to James. And instantly Schultz, on air said Schultzy, shut up pass it on to james told <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like on sports center instagram you could find james duffy telling the story it's hilarious he's just like yeah like that was him in his younger days but him to a t like just hated the earpiece <laughs> that's how good ron mclean actually is is when you know when him and don cherry were on and you know, he would have one in and you could see he's sitting there listening to somebody. He's not even, he's listening to his headpiece, but he's looking at Don shaking his head and to have still have, you know, how obviously how Don is, you know, and then still having, you know, the, you know, mental capacity to listen to exactly what his producers are, are telling him and letting Don just continue his rant, but still be in check with the rant itself. You know, that's uh that kind of stuff is, is hard. Yeah. Dude, he's so, so good. Ron McLean is like one of the greatest people in the entire entirety of the world. One for everything he does, but the he's like the greatest broadcaster slash host of any show. Like everything that he does is just top notch. So good. Like even watching the difference between NBC when like the Bruins games on or something, they're penguins and they've got throw it over to Sharpie and the NBC crew. It's just trash compared to what the Sportsnet crew is like. Like that panel together is arguably the greatest sports panel ever. Like the knowledge they have just so good. One thing that uh, you guys can watch back to Sean Avery. I don't know. You guys might've already seen it, but when uh, they did the tour of his house or when biz went, went to uh, his apartment and uh, so Sean was giving them the, the acting tips like where where biz found his gun in his closet so good so yeah good. so you, i've seen that seen it, Luke? yeah oh, you gotta watch so good. This, man. It, it is so hilarious when he's like can i do it and he goes well a little bit harder and he so comes back get on the ground <laughs> <laughs> like it's so funny and just how biz is out like it is it laugh out loud funny immediately so funny or the when he talks to him about uh He's like, 
Oh man, like Biz says, like, why do you sleep on the far side? Like, shouldn't you sleep close to the door and like protect your like wife or your girlfriend? He's like, fuck that. He reaches under his bed <laughs> and pulls out like a fucking axe, like a. Like oh, it's a, a legit mason. axe. It is a literal axe. Yeah, like a yeah, like a medieval axe. <laughs> it's like holy shit. <laughs> and then yeah. this is like, well, what if the guy comes in with a gun? He's like, he shoots you. He's like, you really think that if a guy comes in with a gun, I can't chop his arm off before he gets the <laughs> axe? <laughs> and 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 Avery's dead serious. Yeah, you know? like yeah, like listening to his podcast, reading his book, like he is dead serious. Set up, like if that actually happened, he honestly could chop the guy's hand off before before the guy gets a shot off. Well, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. This is episode three of Coffee with the Boys. And again, we touch on a lot of different concepts, not just lacrosse. We talk multi-sport athletes primarily today. And Sean Avery being the latest narcissistic person that he is. The book, phenomenal. Give it a read if you want. His podcast is phenomenal. Again, like we said, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys again next week. 